just go into it with the mind of how can I serve people and that community will serve you back. That'll take you a long way in terms of building a business when you need people to bounce ideas off of, hey, look at my new website. Tell me what you think. What can I improve? You know, people that can really support you in return and build you up and give you advice and just be there with you on that journey. That will take you so, so far. Science, technology, engineering, and math are all great careers, but they're also fills with additional barriers to entry for women, people of color, and other amazing members of our community who have been historically marginalized in STEM. I'm Dr. Pamela McCauley, and welcome to Stepping Up STEM. On this show, I'm having conversations with impactful and passionate leaders making a difference in STEM education, innovation, and entrepreneurship. My guest today is Angela Hollowell, Angela is a visual storyteller, and she's passionate about the outdoors, human rights, and creative entrepreneurship. She is a creative producer at East Coast Greenway Alliance, the director of photography of her own Ange H Studio, and host and producer of Honey and Hustle, her video podcast, where she shares weekly interviews with creative entrepreneurs, small business owners, and nonprofit founders. Thanks for coming on, Angela. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. You are a little powerhouse. (laughs) I'm so excited to meet you. And this is actually the second time I've had opportunity to hang out with you as you came to my campus and did some amazing filming and producing for my Oklahoma Hall of Fame. Uh, honor that's coming up. So thank you so much for your spirit of excellence in your work. Absolutely. Honored to be in your presence here today. (laughs) (laughs) Listen at you. She's such a sweetheart. Now, we know you're passionate about entrepreneurship. So talk to me a little bit about your journey and what makes you so passionate about entrepreneurship and your current ventures. Yeah, absolutely. So my journey is probably something people are familiar with where you, you know, you have a passion for something, you're good at something, But then you start to realize, man, this is getting to be an expensive hobby. Um, So I want to find a way to make this sustainable because I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop my journey of learning and Mm -hmm. growing as a creative person and having this outlet. So then I started Angie Studio in 2016. And I just started just doing graduation photos for friends and stuff like that on campus and doing weddings. And then as I got my master's in the Anthropology of Peace and Human Rights, shout out to the University of Alabama at Birmingham. For that amazing program and experience, I said, well, how can I combine these two passions? I really Mm -hmm. want to dive deeper into human rights. I really want to do photography and Mm -hmm. filmmaking. So how can I put these together? And so then when I moved here to Durham in 2019, I started really diving deep into that and seeing what opportunities were available for me here. Mm -hmm. And that's when things kind of took off. And so in 2020, I went full time into NJ Studio. Oh, outstanding. Yeah. So it's been a heck of a journey. (laughs) That's for sure. And I've learned a lot and I've grown a lot. And I've worked with some incredible nonprofits in the area doing digital media storytelling, documentary filmmaking, that sort of thing. So when it comes to what makes me so passionate about it, one is just doing the work, being in this space and meeting other people who have similar stories, different stories, crazy Mm -hmm. stories that you can't even (laughs) fathom. But also really understanding that that's the beauty of it. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. so different, but we're all in this thing together. And we're all just trying sure to figure are. it out and do the best that we can to serve our communities and to make a life around a business that we love. Absolutely. Now, for those of us who may not be as on top of this space as you are, tell us what digital storytelling is. Yes, yes. So digital storytelling, for me, 
is using photos and videos and digital media campaigns. So whether that's, in my case, a lot of times that is organic filmmaking, organic photography Mm -hmm. at events, stories of unique individuals that have either benefited from the work of nonprofits or are integral to the work that these nonprofits are doing to provide these services to the community. Wow, that's so cool. And when you think about how impactful video and photos are, I mean, historically, when we think back to Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement, there's some iconic photos that just speak so loudly. That's very powerful. I'm so happy to see a young person like you taking something like this on because, I mean, it is so powerful and it'll be ways to capture and honor our history and a lot of the things that are going on now. So I know you're a powerful young businesswoman. But for those who are thinking about it, share with them some of the challenges you had or maybe some of the mistakes you made and how you overcame those challenges or mistakes. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of mistakes to be made. Then we just go into <laughs> you will not avoid them right. even by listening to this podcast episode. <laughs> but that's okay, though. I think the mistakes are where you learn and where right. you grow. One of the mistakes I made early on, and I think a lot of people make this mistake, is not knowing how much to charge. Oh, so that is so, <laughs> so important. Yes. Right. And really building a framework that's sustainable for you to grow and scale every year as your skills increase, as your experience okay. increases. That was kind of a pain point for me and something that I've been fortunate enough to work through over time. Another really big thing that me as just a creative person starting a business really didn't think about was how can I create a consistent and memorable customer experience, mm. right? There's a lot of people that take great photographs. There's right. a lot of people that make great videos, but there may not be as many people who focus on the experience that they give people. Wow. So am I communicating effectively? Am I communicating on time? Am I setting clear expectations for how much they're going to pay, when payments are due, what they can expect from me, following up with them to make sure mm-hmm. they know the plan and that we're on the same page about where we're supposed to meet, what we're going to do, what the deliverables are, And then once I follow up, you know, what does that look like? Am I just sending them the photos, sending them a link and saying, okay, have a good day, pay me? Or what am I saying? Am I saying thank you? Am I sending them? When I did start, I actually started sending people handwritten notes. Wow. Sending thank you notes. Yeah, that's that's, old school. It is. (laughs) That's uh, that's awesome. But it it was that personal touch. Like, how can I add a little bit of me into this process? Mm. So it's like, yeah, maybe they can get somebody else to take photos, but they can't have that repeat experience with me. And so that was one thing that I had to work on to set me apart. Okay. And then another thing too, you're getting a business, you're setting up a website, you've got your social media handles down, boom, boom, Mm -hmm. boom. People are coming in asking you for things. And when I was looking at how many people were coming in versus how many people I was actually securing, I'm like, how can I close this gap a little bit more? Mm -hmm. How can I convert more of my leads into paying customers, right? So that was me learning sales, learning a sales process, learning how to market myself, learning how to communicate my value to people. And all of this takes time. It takes, you know, just learning and failing and missing out on what you feel may be great Mm -hmm. opportunities and great people to work with. But, you know, you learn and you go and it becomes kind of a staple in your business. And once you start getting these systems down, you can grow and build on them as you should. You're uh, really well connected in the Raleigh and Durham entrepreneurial community. What are some of the resources that you have used as a part of building your business? Yeah, so pre-pandemic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we do we all, oh gosh, yeah. not, not pre and post-pandemic. Yeah. COVID changed the world. Yeah, so when I moved here in May 2019, didn't know a soul. So what I told myself was, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give myself time to figure out how to get to work and back without my GPS. <laughs> 
And then <laughs> from there, I it only three. took me three months to do that. <laughs> took me about two. So I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to get to work and back without my GPS. And then after that, I'm going to go to as many networking events as I can. Good for you. And so that was my grind. So every, just about every day for three months after work, I would get up, go to work, go to a networking event, go home. Wow. Sleep. That's fantastic. And so that I just met so many people. I got connected to, you know, MNF Bank. They have really great seminars, you know, SCORE, wow. which has mentorship. Mm-hmm. Just all these great, you know, really resources and connections that were here in this area that I was able to find just by talking with people. Right. And getting to know people. I'm so impressed that you did that, Angela. Some uh, people would be afraid to just go to those events. What would you say to them, to those folks? Do it scared. Okay. Have a little script. Just, you know, know how you're going to introduce yourself. And then, quite frankly, you can do all that and just not talk. Just listen to people. Be interested. Be curious. Don't feel like the onus is on you to go in there and just win a bunch of people over. Great advice. Not at all. Well, I'm so impressed. So you did that. You went to all of those networking events and then built your network. That is so cool. So how do you balance with your position? I know you're um, very much about social entrepreneurship, but also then you have your own business. Mm I think it's wonderful how your education influenced your decisions. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear more about that because you're doing quite a number of things and it seems like your digital media work is very meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of Angie Studio, that is my main like client facing okay. business where I work with nonprofits doing, you know, storytelling, visual storytelling. And that's great. But one thing, like I said, when I came here, I was just opened up to this world of opportunities because the sheer amount of networking events that I was able to go to, mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't even have access to a fraction of that living in Alabama. Wow. And somewhere along the way, I was like, you know, wow, I've benefited greatly. I've been able to come here and not know a soul. And now six months later, I'm pretty locked in. I felt pretty confident going full time a year into living wow. here. Right. But not a lot of people have access to that. So how can I bridge that gap now between what we have access to and where we live? And so that was kind of where Honey and Hustle came into play. That was kind of my way to give back to people. That is so awesome, And just say, you know, let me pass the mic to some people who have been doing it longer than me. Because I started that about March 2020, so I was a pandemic podcast. And I said, you know, how can I just find people in different industries, different Mm -hmm. backgrounds, different walks of life, different experiences, Mm -hmm. different stories, and have them share their story and what they've learned along the way so they can help somebody else. And it's free. I don't ask them to come and pay me to advertise themselves or this business. I don't ask. It's not a paid or private podcast. Anybody can watch it on YouTube or listen to it on whatever audio streaming device they prefer. But that's just my way of getting information out there. That know? is so wonderful. I did uh, view your one of your Honey and Hustle po- video <laughs> podcasts. And that was before I knew you. And I was so impressed that someone as young as you are, that you were focused on this. And so tell us a little bit more about Honey and Hustle, because I want our audience to know how to find that, because you got some really powerful podcasts on there. Thank you. Yes. Um, So Honey and Hustle was always meant to be a video podcast. It was always meant for you to like see people, have a connection with people. And one of the things that influenced me was actually a podcast by Matt Diavello, who also has a really big YouTuber has an incredible video podcast where he just like had people in his house, people that he knew in the industry. And it's like, well, yeah, I want that. These are people that I know, people that I've met through networking and working with them that I just want to bring in and like give people instant access because Mm -hmm. they're going to talk to me in a way they probably wouldn't talk to you if you walked up to them on the street. Right. Right. So it's also kind of, it was like, let me, yes, provide a space for education, but also like unfiltered education, unfiltered, candid conversation. Right. People feel a little more comfortable telling me certain things that maybe they wouldn't share publicly on social media. Mm -hmm. Right. And the name itself, it was 
me being crazy. I just want to <laughs> I, I think it's cool. I mean, I, hustle. Yeah, I like the name, uh, but yeah, I, uh, yeah. I just I wanted something fun. I wanted something sexy. I wanted something that still lends itself to like entrepreneurship. Sure. So that's how that came about. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love the all the the connections and how you're bridging all of the different aspects of Angela into this <laughs> amazing quilt of a powerhouse of a woman. And speaking about being a woman, talk about some of the challenges uh, as a black woman entrepreneur. Yes. Uh, let's talk funding. Um. Right. I know. The the numbers are so sad. That is something that I am very focused on trying to be a part of a solution, is increasing the number of dollars that go to black women-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the pandemic, for better or for worse, brought a lot of people together. And once you know, we started to see the statistics on who was getting the PPP loan, Black people are like, okay, we need to band together and send each other grants. Even if I right. don't get it, one of I'm us tell- okay. need to get something. Yes. Right? So like grants, like we started sharing more information. We started seeing that happen more in the pandemic because it's just an email. Right. Just send, send uh, and people and the link. so many of us, I'm so sorry, I'm excited about what you're saying here, <laughs> but that is so true. During the pandemic, I remember I was seeing all of these people getting grants and I was like, but the black community seemed to be missing out. I emailed so many people that I knew who were black business owners. And I was like, do you know about this? Do you know about this? And my prayer partner even helped her fill out her application because she got frustrated. Sometimes, you know, then when we find out, then we get frustrated. So no, I'll let you finish because, but this is something that's so important. So let's get back to that. Yes. Yes. So grants, I mean, to me are even better than a loan because you don't pay back. And a lot of times grants unrestricted funds. So you may submit a budget but they're not going to check after you right. get the money. So it's like, this helps a lot of people out. And, you know, we saw just like, it was almost like this resurgence of people trying to combat black people losing land, black people going out of business, right? right, Black people not having access to resources to pivot their businesses effectively. So being able to maybe do a home delivery, get on Grubhub, get on Uber Eats, get wow. on something like that. How can I take payments, contactless payments? Mm-hmm. Or how can I get a square card, a pay- right. whatever the point of sale thing is that makes people feel safer mm-hmm. paying in person, not in cash. So all these different things that people have to do to shift their business, to stay mm-hmm. in business, be successful, and then just share their platforms with other people. So Honey and Hustle came about at the right time. Wow. Right? So it was this time where not only were people, yes, having to do something different, figure something out in order to stay viable, but really come together as a community and help each other out. And so I really felt like I was a part of helping other people out. But yeah. That is so cool. Funding. And you're still helping people out. Yes. Yeah. But in terms of funding, yeah, it's a big pain point for a lot of people. You um, know? It really is. And what I'm planning to have on the resource page is a list of funding opportunities, so uh, resources. So I would love to chat with you even more about that. Yeah. When we think about, again, the challenges, sometimes I also want to say, I mean, there is, yeah, there's challenges, but there's also opportunities for mm-hmm. women, for minority entrepreneurs. So on the flip side, I think we do want to continue what we started during the pandemic with this connectedness, mm-hmm. where we're sharing with each other what these opportunities are and really do be our brother's keeper or my sister's keeper. Mm-hmm. So be here to help each other, which I'm just, again, so impressed with some of the things you're doing. Talk to me about some of the other things that you're doing in the entrepreneurial community. These days, it feels like not enough, <laughs> but I am a part of two groups, two environmental focus groups. One of them is called E2, Environmental Entrepreneurs. Fantastic. Um, so I'm a part of really seeing how business owners can be a part of environmental justice solutions, clean wow. energy, positive climate change, those types of things. So I'm part of those events and the work that they're doing. And I've done some 
I guess you could call it lobbying to okay. our representatives here in North Carolina to really get them thinking about clean energy policy and investing sure. in the That's awesome. previous infrastructure bill that just passed. So that was one of the things I did, but that was kind of within the last six to eight months. And then I'm also part of Women in Climate Tech, which is an organization that is really just trying to get women at the forefront of climate tech conversations, right? right. Because there aren't a lot of women-led businesses in the climate right. tech, clean energy space, right? So how can we provide opportunities? And again, going back to funding, a lot of it is because a lot of people don't invest in right. women-owned businesses and in that space. So how wow. can we bridge that gap between what people associate with women-owned businesses and what the reality is and create opportunities there for people? Wow, that's awesome. So women in climate tech, that's fascinating. How might someone get involved in some of those things? Yeah, so women in climate tech, they are accepting new members now. So be sure to check out their website. Environmental Entrepreneurs has just about events every month. Some of them are virtual, some of them are in person. Okay. And of course, they go by your region as well. So they have some in North Carolina, along the Southeast. I do believe they have a Northeast chapter. So they have some different ways you can become involved and um, really just become active and meet other people within the environmental space. Fantastic. I mean, everything you do is so meaningful. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that must feel really good. And I mean, to know that you are not only working your area of passion, but now you're reaching out in the community and helping others. If somebody wanted to work with you, you mentioned you work with nonprofits in terms mm -hmm. of your, you do documentaries or mm -hmm. digital storytelling. What would be the ideal kind of customer to come to Angela? Yeah, so definitely people in the environmental justice space. And when I say environmental justice, I mean across the spectrum. Some people can think of the outdoors or the outdoor industry and access to the outdoors. That is part of my work with the East Coast Greenway Alliance, as you mentioned. A lot of that focuses on equitable access to the out outdoors to increase positive health outcomes, active transportation, things like that. I also focus on food sovereignty, food justice. Now, um, what exactly does that mean? Yeah, so that's a great question. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I'm learning so much today. <laughs> so when I say food justice, I think about people's access to fresh produce, right? And Isn't it shocking, though? That there are some people who don't. We take so much for granted. We do. Oh, my gosh. And here in North Carolina, such an agricultural state, so there's so much fresh produce. Yeah. But it is shocking that there are people who don't have access. Yes, and they live in food deserts. So what right. I consider a food desert is if you have to drive more than 30 minutes to get to the nearest grocery store to find produce. Wow. You live in a food desert. Right? That's not accessible. You know, because then no. it means that more than likely you have to have a car to get mm -hmm. to that. And for a lot of people, that's a barrier. That's right. a barrier to access. Cars are expensive. Gas is increasing. Yes. Maintenance on cars is expensive. So how can we really make it so that people have access to food in their own in their own communities, right? right? And food sovereignty really means having autonomy over how you get access to food, wow. right? So decreasing processed foods, mm -hmm. um, increasing things like community gardens and funding to local farmers so that they can stay in business mm -hmm. and urban farming, different options for how we allocate and zone land in urban spaces so that people can use that land to plant right. their own food and grow their own food. Wow. So that's a lot of it. And of course, farm worker justice, as we know, historically in this country, farm workers are undervalued mm -hmm. um, workers, but they are the backbone of our society. You better say it. Farm workers feed you. None of us right. would be here. Farm workers did not work, right. but we pay them less than dirt. And that's just abysmal. Wow. Um, so that's one part of it. And then, of course, the last part is climate change, clean energy, environmental sustainability practices, so recycling, things like that. So those are kind of the areas that I focus on in terms of that. And, of course, all that goes back to health equity, mm -hmm. right? How can we create a healthy environment for people to live, work, and play? 
Right. So those are some of the main things that I work in. This is so fascinating. I mean, with your digital storytelling, if there's a nonprofit or even a, like a professional society and wants to really get their message out, they ought to be knocking your door down. <laughs> I'm serious, Angela, to get you to help them tell their story. And it did in that digital media and capturing with photos and videos because it's so much more powerful than just reading words on a page or going to a website. So it's just fascinating. And about the food desert, once again, North Carolina having so much uh, produce and being such an agricultural state, I got to give a shout out to Dollar General. I was in Dollar General store in downtown Raleigh, and they had a whole little produce section. Lettuce, tomatoes, I mean, onions, fruit, and Dollar General. Me and my mom were talking about that. Oh, my goodness. Is it the pressure from organizations like you all to tell them that we need some fresh produce even in the inner city? I don't know, but they responded to the call, and I think Yes. Because coming from, you know, I'm originally from Alabama, you know, where I went to high school— Population 400 people, you know what I'm saying? In Seal, Alabama, where my mom is from, Pittsfield, Alabama, population not even a thousand people. Wow. Well, you know, what are they going to do? There's, right. There's barely a gas station there. Wow. <laughs> like, we need access to this. And so there was a Dollar General that actually got put up like right across the street from our high school. And my mom was like, yes, now people don't have to drive 30 minutes into, yes. into town to get groceries. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I was like, go Dollar General. <laughs> Bring some produce right down here to downtown Raleigh. Yes. That is so exciting. And it, for me to start to see that, that people are responding. Yes. And speaking of climate change, how do we get more people, particularly people of color, to understand that climate change is a real problem? Yeah. I mean, and that is, it's a hard question, but it's one that we definitely need to address. And part of the reason that it's hard is because some people now are educated enough to know and becoming Mm -hmm. more informed about the topic enough to know, I should say, that a lot of climate change and negative climate change effects that we're seeing right now are due to corporations, right? So they're like, well, what is me recycling going to do for the planet? You know, (laughs) like they don't really, really want to, you know, or have a hard time seeing how their personal decisions are going to affect the whole in the grand scheme of things, right? But part of it, too, is like making it accessible for people. So, yeah, maybe you recycling doesn't do a whole lot in the grants. But if your whole community recycles, right. if your whole community has a community garden, right. right? if your whole community composts and puts together fresh and rich soil back into the earth, that does a lot. Right. That and one community, two communities, three communities. Come on. Yes. I'm a woman of faith. But some of my... Brothers and sisters in the Lord were the worst ones. <laughs> well, we don't, it's not going to happen. You know, the Lord will sustain. The Lord gave us good sense. We need to be <laughs> thinking about our planet. Yeah. And my thing, what I say to people is like, well, you know, if you read the Bible, we're just caretakers. Okay. We're just passing and through. Take care. Take it means take care of it. Yeah. Take care of it. You know. I have recently gotten more and more knowledgeable and more and more concerned about it. But I'm thinking something has to give. And so now for these people who don't believe, every time we have a really crazy flood or something, say, oh, yeah, that climate change. Okay, (laughs) I told you people years ago, I'm talking to my brothers and sisters, people of color. This is something that we need to be concerned about. I'm so excited to hear about those things that you're doing in that space. So now let's say I want you to do a video for me or I want to come to you to have your services. How might I approach that? Would I just call you? Do I need to 
send you link to my website? How would we engage you to use your brilliance to help tell our story? My brilliance, that is a far cry, <laughs> but I will take the compliment. Yes, it's true. <laughs> yes. So actually, for your convenience, I just created or updated my new website. So Fantastic. www.nghstudio.com. So you can find all the information there, find my email, reach out to me via email. That's my preference. Okay. Um, and just give me a little bit of background about what you're looking for, what your goals are, if you have a timeline, okay. if you have a budget, and we can kind of go from there. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, because I think a lot of times, even like professional organizations, they need a better way to tell their story. A lot of people, you don't know what you don't know. No. So most people don't even know about video storytelling or digital media and capturing their story and sharing it that way. I think that it has to do with age. The younger you are, the more you know about this. But people mm-hmm. at my stage, and fortunately, a lot of times we're the ones with more resources, but we don't know what we don't know. Because I would love to see, for I could just see, for example, and some of the professional societies that I'm a part of, us doing some of this kind of storytelling. And so we would just go to your website, fill out the form. Mm-hmm. So w- would we have or have a lot of stuff already, have pictures or videos? and You wouldn't have to have a lot of things already, but for the most part, I try to be collaborative with people. So if okay. there are things that you definitely want included that you've done, so like maybe some photos from a recent project that you want included, videos, yeah, absolutely. We can get those together and create a file that we can incorporate into that okay. uh, project and whatever you're working on. And I've also worked as kind of a, I guess you would call it like a fractional Chief marketing officer, like, yeah, I've okay. been the interim director of communications before as well. So I've come in and been a part of an agency nonprofit team and so worked in that aspect as well. So it really just depends on the scale. And another thing that I say to people as well when, you know, and the reason I set up my website, the way that I set it up so mm-hmm. that people aren't filling out a form and just feeling like they're going through the motions mm-hmm. is sometimes, and this is an intergenerational thing, mm-hmm. they have a lot of skepticism about hiring out. Mm, right. And so okay. I try my best to give as much information as possible for people kind of have a feel for who I am when they go sure. to the website and I have a feel of what to expect. And that's, again, from years of experience learning, what do people need to know about me before they even reach out? Right. Right. Because you, the one thing, you know, it's hard for me to tell people, hey, I, I really don't feel like I'm the best fit for you looking for. But part of that, too, is sometimes people just aren't ready to tell nuanced stories. They're not ready to tell vulnerable stories. Mm-hmm. They're not ready to really admit that maybe they just don't have the community connections to tell the stories that they want to tell. Right. right. And so sometimes I have to say like, hey, maybe you might need to go back and do some community building and see if you're not comfortable being on camera, finding some people who are, would be really good people to tell right. the story. And so that's a part of it too, is really like, where are you in the process of being ready to work sure. with me? See, I happen to think that the big part of the reason, you know, I'm, we're going to get around to STEM eventually. So <laughs> I happen to think a big part of the reason we haven't seen more women and more people of color in science, technology, engineering and math is because of the way we tell the story. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the Big Bang Theory, do you see any women of color? It's a funny show. I don't see a Hispanic person. I don't see an African-American person. They may have one or two walk through when they're in their cafeteria or something. But <laughs> they were still largely absent. Yeah. And so I see a lot of wonderful things underway. You know, my friend Calvin Mackey with STEM NOLA, so a lot of these undergraduate or pre-K things, but also, you know, some folks trying to reach the older community. I think that digital storytelling could be so powerful. Mm-hmm. If we start to capture some of these stories and tell them in an interesting and compelling way, and but also where you're showing impact, think about hidden figures. Yes. 
how so, powerful that movie was and true. how it told the story. But there are other hidden figures and maybe not hidden, but they're not fully, you know, mm-hmm. out there. I would love to see your kind of talent help us tell some of those stories. Is that something that can be done, say, for a professional society that serves women? Is that something you could do? Yeah, yeah, I could definitely help with that. One thing that I will say about representation and stories Sometimes just by virtue of searching the internet or things like that, I come across stories, but they're not super publicly accessible. You really have to search. And so there's also this larger conversation that I would love to be had between like bigger agencies like AETV. They have a really, really great series on people of color entrepreneurs in the South. Wow. Um, yeah, like I didn't know that. But you have to search for it. Right. And so it's like, how can we get more of these stories to the, the forefront? Even like alcohol brands. Hennessy has a really great series. There's a whiskey brand that partnered with Quest Love to do an interview series with, there's like, I think he does one with the black scientists on there. Wow. So just different things like that. Like, how can we really push these type of stories to the forefront? And I really think that YouTube in a lot of ways is the great equalizer. Mm. Because for me, when I'm at home, it's like, okay, am I going to watch something on YouTube or am I going to watch something on Netflix, right? Because the quality is there. Wow. The access is there. Sometimes I don't want to see a super scripted show. A lot of times I don't. Sometimes I just want to see these indie filmmakers coming Mm -hmm. up. So I really think, just whether it's me or anybody, uh, really having a focus of like, how can we get this in front of the most people? That's my next step too, is a lot of people are creating a lot of great things and nobody is seeing it. Wow. So how can we fix that? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Well, you are quite the superstar. Yeah, I'm going to call you a superstar. I'm going to tell you you're brilliant. I am just so proud of you, a young woman doing so much, not just your career, but also working so hard to equal to equalize things and uh, level the playing field for others. So let me ask you to give some parting knowledge. You've done, obviously, very well. You've had challenges and you kept rolling. What would you say a person can do tomorrow? What are the top maybe three or four things a person could do tomorrow if they were interested in becoming that business person or launching that nonprofit or just walking into their passion and not just existing, say, in a job that they're doing? Yeah, my first really big point of advice would be to don't think you have to do it alone. Mm. And there's anything, and this is a low lift, if you're on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Identify five people that you want to get to know that are wow. in the industry that you want to work great. in, doing the work that you want to do, and just reach out to connect with them. Please don't say, can I pick your brain? Just say, hey, <laughs> you know, I see the work you're doing. I love it. I just want to learn more about what you're doing and how I can support you. I love it. Just go into it with the mind of how can I serve people and that community will serve you back. That'll take you a long way in wow. terms of building a business when you need people to bounce ideas off of, hey, look at my new website. Tell me what you think. What can I improve? Hey, what about my messaging is unclear? What about this form? Is Can you make sure this form works for me? All these types of things, mm-hmm. you know, people that can really support you in return and build you up and give you advice and just be there with you on that journey. That will take you so, so far because it's very easy to get discouraged. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to take a long time to be profitable in the way that maybe you mm-hmm. want and maybe the way that you quote unquote need to live. Mm-hmm. If you want to go full time. So, and you know, you just kind of have to have staying power. And what helps is really having a community of people around you. Fantastic. I love that. So, one, don't, don't feel like you have to do it alone. Two, reach out to at least five people and ask to connect with them. Yeah. Don't necessarily <laughs> ask to pick their brain, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but connect with them and see what comes after, after that. Yeah. 
And third was... Third was just ask how you can support them. Ask how you can serve the community. I love that. Angela, you are so awesome. (laughs) How can you serve the community? I mean, think about that. We always talk about leadership being a service, so it's servant leaders. But also, you can be have an entrepreneurial heart to serve and be very well compensated for it. Yes. So that's beautiful. So you are just a delight. It has been such a joy to have you with us today, Angela. And you keep up the great work. And how can people follow you? Yeah, so me personally, I also built a new website for that. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go <laughs> see me www.heyangela.co and you will find all the things that I'm working on, learn a little bit about me and find some of my favorite tools that help me run my business. So. Fantastic. Well, you keep up the great work and we'll be watching you. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, Angela. And thank you all so much for listening. I look forward to connecting with you next time. We'll talk soon. Bye.